Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Make no mistake, if you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. You're selling the world on your book, aren't you? Of course, it's not as easy as launching a business and then tossing any old book up on Amazon. That's why I help entrepreneurs publish books on the specific topic and in the specific way that will launch or grow their businesses. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. Hi there. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy. It's your professor, Anna David. Before I forget, this show is brought to you by Book Elevator Pitch. That's where you are going to get a template so you can have a book elevator pitch that will absolutely change uh, how you talk about your book and it'll help you finish it. So today, oh, if you're new to the show, I talked to you. I'm a New York Times bestselling author of eight books, the founder of Legacy Launchpad Publishing, and I talk every week either to myself or to a bestselling author or a top entrepreneur, sometimes both, often both, about how to... uh, Use a book to help build your business. So today is something so many people ask me legal questions. And in case you don't know, I am neither a lawyer nor am I actually a professor. And that is why I brought on a author, an author and attorney. Her name is Maria R. Riger. And uh, she just released a book called Legal Issues Authors Must Consider. Number one new release in Amazon on Amazon in the area of copyright law, corporate law, practical guides, entertainment law, um, and she she also writes books. Uh, but that's the book you should go grab. But we also uh, so we got into mainly we got into copyrights, uh, setting up an LLC, um, the whole thing about whether or not someone can sue you. Spoiler alert: they they can. How to handle it if somebody uh, steals your content. Um, writing about people you know. That's the one that most people will ask me about. So if you would like the show notes, just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com slash blog slash Maria. And now I give you Maria Riger. Hello, Maria. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about uh, talking about this today. I am too, because you are... I'm, I'm going to say you do hear about lawyer writers, John Grisham, for example, mm-hmm. my friend Lisa Smith, but I love that you are a writer who actually can speak to the legal issues surrounding authors, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. I know people have tons of questions about this. So legally, what do you think is the number one thing authors need to worry about? Right. So um, I like you said, I, I get a lot of questions or I see a lot of authors asking questions and it is very overwhelming. So the first, like the first biggest thing I tell authors to do, it's about setting up your business. 
So a lot of authors kind of, you know, they'll publish under their own names and legally that's a, a sole proprietorship if they're not setting up a corporate entity. But uh, uh, to be um, as, uh, uh, I guess, as basic as possible so it's not overwhelming, I really recommend that writers set up a limited liability entity. So that's either a limited liability company, a corporation. The LLC is the most popular one for small businesses today. So that's what most authors would use. But that's the number one piece of advice I would give authors is to set up your LLC so that if you ever are sued, then you you don't you know, risk losing your personal assets. Any any damages that you would have to pay out would be limited to your business assets. So everything else stems from there. So then when we talk about possible copyright problems, possible defamation problems, if you're sued on the basis of those, as long as you have your LLC set up, you know, damages you would have to pay out are limited. So that's kind of the big basic thing. And you can set up an LLC easily. I actually find LegalZoom incredibly challenging because of their horrible tech support. Uh, okay. But like you would think, I used to be like, oh, just do it through LegalZoom. But I actually, right. there are much easier ways to do it. Is that That's not something you assist writers with, is it? I don't uh, personally, although I talk about that in my book, actually like step-by-step step how to set up Perfect. your LLC. So- so LLC, the kind of the the corporate law is a state law issue. So it's regulated by the states. So you go to your state corporation commission to set up your LLC. And usually you can do that online. Like I'm licensed to practice law in the state of Virginia, where we live. So you would go to Virginia State Corporation Commission and you do everything online. You set up the LLC online, you pay your fee online and things like that. You can hire a local you know, corporate attorney, small business attorney to set that up for you if you just don't have the time. That's fine, but it is something you could do yourself. Yeah, there are people like me who get to government forms and start to, you know, develop hives and just like, why right. is this from the 1990s? Right. <laughs> right, it can be overwhelming. And if you yes. want to, you know, delegate that stuff out so you can focus more on writing, that's perfectly reasonable, right? So set up an LLC so you're protected and what's what's number two? So number two I talk about is uh, copyright. That's probably by and large the most questions I get from authors are regarding copyright. Like, what can I use in my book? You know, works. What what work can I use from other authors or quotes from other authors or song lyrics without having to request copyright permission explicitly? And there's a lot of chatter about this. Um, and I, I know you had Jane Friedman on not too long ago, and she, you know, she's written on copyright issues too. So she's a great resource. But basically, so there are two things. It's like protecting your own copyright and then requesting copyright to use in your own works. So as far as protecting copyright to your work, uh, authors have commented to me that they think they need to register their work with the U.S. Copyright Office in order to get copyright protection. That's not exactly true. Like just by creating a work, you have copyright over the work. That's yours, right? So um, if somebody uses your work, you can sue them for copyright infringement. But the good thing about registering with the US Copyright Office, registering your, your individual works, is that if you do decide to bring a copyright infringement action, you could get much higher damages if you're registered with the Copyright Office. So to a newer author, who maybe hasn't had as you know that much in book sales yet, or their books has, have not been commercially successful yet, you could potentially get a lot of more money, right, in a lawsuit if you have registered your works with the U.S. Copyright Office. That's the second big thing. And again, you can do that entirely online. 
There is a fee. I don't recall all the fees off the top it's of my head. It's not a lot. It's not that lot, but there is a fee per work. You have to register your individual finished works, make sure they're finished, you know, not drafts. And then uh, you get that kind of statutory damage protection when your works are registered. Not when you apply for the registration, because there was some litigation about that not too long ago, you, the registration has to be completed. And obviously you want to you want to um, keep all the documentation and communication and email communication regarding that. And it takes time. I mean, it's not a fast, I think it's three months minimum. Yes, it varies, but that's about right. I mean, so. And I mean, if you don't like government sites, you are not going to like that copyright.gov site. You are not. Um and um, there are a lot of people out there to scam you on this. If you Google copyright my book, you'll run across, you know, things that say for $300, we can do this. It is six. It, well, last time I checked, $65. Right, you pay it yeah. to the government. You don't pay it to somebody else. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You can do this yourself. Again, yes. you know, you can just register your individual works and it, I've done it. It's it, it's not, once you know where to go on the site, it's not that difficult, but that's the thing is to know where to go. It's copyright.gov. Yeah. You're never going to have fun doing it, but you might not have a breakdown doing it once you know. Right. How to do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, okay. And so the thing, what, what I think you said is really important, what I, what you said, I think is very important. This idea, it is copywritten the moment you write it. However, if there ever, if you go to court, uh, you want it to be copywritten officially by the government. Correct. Yeah. So you have copyright over your work when you create it, like you said, whether it's, you know, poems, books, whatever. Um, but that's the thing. So if, if somebody else is legally, illegally using your work and you need to sue them, you have to sue them in federal court. This is a federal law. Copyright is under federal law issue. This can be very expensive, obviously. And a lot of newer authors if they find themselves in that position, they may just decide not even to bother to sue because you know you you would spend so much money litigating and the damages you get would not cover the, the money you spend litigating. That's unfortunate. So that's why I always recommend like the second big thing, make sure all your works are registered with the copyright office because I mean copyright damages could be as much as you know five, almost six figures per work if they're registered with the copyright office. And to wow. a newer author, that's quite obviously quite valuable. But didn't you just say the litigation could, the it depends. Could yeah. It, I mean, it depends. Sometimes it's as much, you know, you can just hire an attorney and get them to draft a letter and say, take this off your website. You're illegally using, you know, my books or whatever, or and that may be enough to just have that person take down your work. It depends how your work's being used. Right. I mean, the first, your first action would always be to consult with, a copyright specialized attorney and find out what you can do if somebody is illegally using your works, whether on a website or something else. And is that something people can contact you about? So I don't practice copyright law day to day, um, but I went to law school in Washington, D.C. with a ton of people who do. So so I um, yeah, if people need to want to reach out to me and find a copyright attorney, I am more than happy to put them in touch with people. Um, and do you list any in your book or, or that could probably Cop changes all the time? Right. As far as copyright attorneys? Yeah. No, I don't list anybody in my book, but I can certainly put people in contact with, with other attorneys. Well, where do you stand on this? I find that there are people who are terribly concerned about people stealing their work who do not need to be concerned, who don't understand that 
um, you know, that everyone's not out to, you know, we will look at people's works. People will come to us as clients, as potential clients. And we say, well, we got to see the kind of shape your book is in. And they say, will you sign an NDA? And it's like, we don't know what to do with the ideas we have. People are not, writers are not out there to steal your work. It is, and I find people can be a bit precious about this. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, I I mean, I I agree with you. I think by and large, you know, people in your position who are providing services are are doing it honestly. And, you know, part of that is you have to know where to go. You have to know what people are providing these services and what people are kind of, or may may not be as honest. So that's part of it. But right, I I um I uh like I said I agree with you on that. I I think authors are right to be concerned about it, but don't let the concern stop you from writing and publishing and getting help and putting your work out there because there are a lot of really good outfits and groups that provide excellent services that I've used sometimes free services, sometimes paid for services, and I would definitely caution authors not to of purposely avoid some of those services just because they're afraid about that. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I think the likelihood of somebody uh, stealing your work when it's your first book and you're doing it to build your business, is probably not right. high. Correct. Yeah. I have a, you know, sort of contrarian attitude, which is like, um, I mean, and it would change if somebody stole my stuff and made millions, but like, go steal it. You're not going to, you're not going to get from it what I can get. Go ahead. Go, you know, if you like it so much, I'm flattered. But again, if I had somebody making millions off my work, I wouldn't feel that way. Exactly. I think that's the that's the thing. That's the key, right? Like when I was first starting out, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, well, people are like passing my stuff around because they like it and more people are seeing it. That's great for me, right? That's publicity. But if I, obviously, if I made as much money as like Stephen King does, I wouldn't think about that very differently. So that's that's the thing. And obviously somebody, an author with those resources, you have the resources to pay for a whole team of attorneys and you can delegate that out to people. Right. So I, yeah, I agree with you on that. And then I think there's a lot of um, confusion around copywriting a title, which is you cannot. That's correct. Yeah. Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. That's correct. Yeah, so you can, on the other side... You can, for example, write a novel and say, my characters read X book and use the title of a book or a, or a song in the novel, and that's perfectly fine. That's not copyrighted material. You don't need to request explicit you know, copyright permission from the copyright holder to use like a song title or a book title in your work, right? But also you can name your, you can title your book the same thing as another that's correct. book without that's any correct. risk. Mm-hmm. It's not a great idea if it's a very successful book. Um, but you know, this came up, we had a book that we were publishing, um, where the, the author wanted to do a sort of spin on a very well-known book title. And there was concern. Yeah, it's okay. But that author has the resources to say it's not okay. So we decided it wasn't worth it. That's the thing you have. You always have to weigh 
the pros and cons and the risk, right? I'm risk averse. So yeah. I probably would have came to the same decision as, as you guys. <laughs> um, and so what about using quotes? It's very popular, particularly in self-help books to begin each chapter with a quote that you attribute to the person. You don't need to go and get permission for that. Uh, well, it really depends. Generally, if you're, so if you're using quote from, an, if you're quoting another written work or song lyrics, song, including song lyrics, you generally need permission from the copyright holder. That's the general rule. Now I've heard from people anecdotally, oh, well, my you know, attorney at my publishing company says I can quote like a couple lines and not need permission. That's not the general rule. It is possible some big, I don't know if some big publishing houses may have some agreements with another publisher or with like a music producer to use a certain amount of quotes or a certain amount of lines from a text or a song. That may be, I mean, if that's a private agreement and there's a licensing arrangement, that's one thing. But technically the general rule is that you would need to request permission to, to quote from another written work or to quote from a song. Okay. But I will say like doing, you know, I did six books with Harper Collins and there okay. was zero concern. Okay. Zero. Um, I think it's gotten so common for authors to begin chapters with a, with an attributed quote that no one's going to go, you, you know, Tony Robbins isn't going to go after people and right. go, you use my book. I think they all look at it today as just great publicity for them. So you're talking about specifically at the beginning of a chapter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you want to attribute it, like you said. So if Absolutely. it's attributed, that's the thing. If you're getting, if they're getting publicity, they may or may not be as concerned about doing it, whether they technically could, maybe. Yeah. So and it, again, it depends. Maybe there's some kind of licensing arrangement or some kind of private agreement and that may be a different story. But yeah, I mean, if, if there's precedent for that, that's one thing, but, but technically like I caution you authors, like you, you definitely, like, if you have any doubt, if you've done your research and even consulted an attorney, and if you have any doubt about whether you can use this, err on the side of caution and request permission from the copyright holder, or just don't use the quote, you know, yeah. if you're, and that's happened to me, like when I just didn't hear back and didn't hear back. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to delay publication any longer. I really, I'm risk averse, like I said, so I really am not comfortable using like these lyrics without express permission. So I'm just not even going to use them. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so, but I would say the mo more common concern I hear from people is I'm writing about, I'm writing a memoir and I'm writing about these, these people and what I'm saying is true, but it's still not nice. Mm -hmm. How concerned do those people need to be? Right. So now we're talking about defamation, right? Potential yep. defamation claims. So libel. Yep. Yeah. So defamation is, is regulated uh, under state law. So it's really hard to give a one size fits all answer because it's dependent on the law of the state. So I'll put that out there as a big caveat, right? So, um, I mean, I think they're right to be concerned. Uh, as you probably know, truth is an absolute, de absolute defense to defamation. So as long as they're publishing facts that are true, they're not defamatory. The problem is if somebody were to sue the author and now you're litigating and now you have to prove the truth of the facts that you're talking about, um, I mean, that could be very expensive. So you want to avoid potential litigation. So if you're writing like a memoir, one way you can deal with that is to 
is to um, either kind of do a creative nonfiction piece or write a memoir about maybe, you know, in the third person and write about people and kind of obscure details and write about the character's mother as opposed to like your mother, <laughs> for example, um, obscure details as much as possible so that it would be really hard to narrow it down and say, oh, this can only be this particular person. So that's one way you can deal with that. Um, obviously, there are a lot of memoirs, first person memoirs out there, and they're not all, you know, they're not, not every author is sued for defamation, but there is a risk. So that's what you want. You want to weigh that. Is it worth, you know, taking the risk and publishing maybe a first person memoir where it's clear who you're talking about? or trying to make it more of a kind of a third person, more of a creative nonfiction where you're writing about somebody else from your own experiences, which many authors do obviously, and you're obscuring details about the people you mm -hmm. intend to write about to portray, right? So that's kind of one issue, one way you can, you can deal with that. Um, and then the other way, like you said, is you can make sure that everything you're writing about is factually accurate and that you can prove that that's harder to do because yeah. you're going to have to go back and prove that this is the truth. Right. So then, um, I mean, like I said, that litigating that can be, can be very costly. So, yeah. So you're always weighing that, like, is this person I'm writing about a litigious person? Do they have the resources to bring a defamation suit? Right. Um, things like that. So I, I've actually, it's had somebody ask, should I get permission from this subject to write about them? Um, that's very tricky because if you're asking somebody, hey, do you mind if I write about you in my book? You're essentially admitting that you are writing about them. And if they don't like what you write about, you have a potential suit. So where I come out on that is I would say, no, I would not ask someone, hey, can I write about you uh, in this book? I would just, if you're set on doing it, go ahead and do it and knowing, you know, what's a possible risk here and then weighing the risk. So. Yeah. It's interesting when, when my first book, which was a novel, I will never forget. This was like, uh, Harper, when I was a, a, an author, they valued, it was the only book they ever did a legal read on. And I spoke to a lawyer that they had. And she said to me, you have to make sure five people fit that description. So you okay. can't say like a one-legged man who lives in this small town in Ohio. Um, but, but as long as it's a general enough description that five people, I just remember the number five, because I was like, that's okay. interesting. Um, but, but I know in my own work, I have changed um, people's professions, the way people look um, all sorts of things, because um, I think that, uh, Augustine Burroughs situation really scared people. Mm -hmm. um, but, right. you, you know, his whole family went and I don't know how big the suit was, but I remember reading about Vanity Fair. So it was pretty big. However, if your book is not a mammoth success, that's less of a concern. His book had become huge. Right. Right. Um, right. Exactly. So that's that's the thing. Like if your book has is just extremely commercially successful, you may have more people coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you don't, I mean, when it's something that could not be, 
wouldn't be considered defamatory, but the person may not like it. Would you recommend um, showing it to them? I mean, I know you said don't go and ask, but that's more yeah. when it's like they've done something terrible. Sure. Um, so if it's not necessarily, so what's, what, you know, the meaning of defamatory is dependent on state law, right? So I can't say, oh yeah, this would definitely be defamatory. The statement would not be defamatory. So there are there are some specific categories where you can say, yeah, the statement would definitely be defamatory, probably under most, if not all, the state laws. But generally, it's it's a matter of uh, case precedent as far as what's defamatory. So um, that's the thing that the plaintiff would have to prove the statement is defamatory. So if it's like you know, if you're talking about some innocuous detail that somebody just got wrong, obviously that may not be defamatory. So that's probably okay. Right. If you're writing about them in a, in a good light or it would be really, really hard to show that this statement was defamatory. And then, you know, the plaintiff, if they're bringing a case for defamation, has to show economic harm. But in some states, you don't need to show the economic harm. Showing harm to your, your reputation is enough. So you would have to show either the economic harm or in some states, at least harm to your reputation. So if you're not if that's not even an issue, that would be real much harder to bring a defamation action. Um, you know, and people ask, oh, can somebody sue? Okay, well, somebody could always bring a suit. Whether the suit has merit is another story, right? If the suit, you could just dispose of it on the summary judgment, like right at the beginning without having to litigate everything, that's great. But a lot of times, you know, judges will allow suits to proceed, even if you think they're frivolous. I see that all the time. So that's just something to be concerned about. Like, oh, well, can somebody sue? Somebody could always bring a suit. <laughs> Whether they have merit or can prove all the elements is a totally different issue. And so what I caution authors about is you really want to be defensive regarding your litigation risk. Like if you're caught up in this litigation and now you're, you know, spending your time, energy, resources on this and you're not spending it on your business, obviously that's problematic. So that's what you want to be thinking about. Yep. Yep. So what else is in your book that uh, that listeners can learn from? Right. So I go into detail about setting up your LLC, what, you know, why that's important and, you know, what you need to do to what we call respect the corporate form, follow all the technical requirements so that if somebody were to sue you, you know, your private personal assets, not your you know, non-business assets would be protected. So I go into detail on that because that's like, as we said, that the building block. So everything else kind of stems from there. Then I go in detail about, you know, copyright, how to register with the U.S. Copyright Office, why that's important, the statutory damages. I talk about that. I talk step by step about how to request permission from copyright holders to use, you know, written works, quotes from extensive quotes from written works or song lyrics, talk about that. And we talk about defamation. So there's obviously a lot more things I could talk about, but those will be in other guides. I wanted to make this a short, more easily digestible guide because when I talk to most authors about these issues, they start to get really overwhelmed. <laughs> and, and obviously like, I don't want that. I want things to be easier for them. Yeah. So those are the main things I talk about in this guide. And then later on, I'll do different stuff on like, you know, contract negotiation, especially regarding audiobooks and things like that. So that'll be down the road. But that's what I talk about mainly. Yeah. And that's really useful for these listeners, because most of them are not doing traditional publishing. So contract okay. negotiation, they, they need to right. be because if you're being traditionally published, the publisher is responsible. Exactly. 
Um, and that that reminds me of one thing. Like I think people sometimes wonder about ENO insurance, errors and omissions insurance. It is not required for a, an author, or is it? Right. Um, no, not required. Uh, you know, it's it's always it's always a good idea to have more, you know, more insurance or kind of more of a safety net. So certainly not required though. Yeah. Um, well, great. Um, just, can you just say, I think you've said it already, but the name of your book. Sure. It's called Legal Issues Authors Must Consider, and it is specifically for self-published authors. I love it. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to add? Um, I don't think so. I think we've uh, covered it. Yeah. Conversation. Well, thank you so much, Maria. And thanks you guys for listening and um, go grab Maria's book and um, I will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me this week on Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to entrepreneurpublishing.academy where you can get links to show notes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and all the other places. Speaking of those places, if you got anything out of this show, I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. And please, don't forget you can tell an author or entrepreneur friend about the show. Another forget-me-not, my company, Legacy Launchpad Publishing, is available to help industry leaders and those with stories to share at any stage in their publishing journeys, whether that's writing, editing, or publishing, just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com to find out more. And be sure to tune in next week for well, next week's episode. You know, if you subscribe, you never have to worry about missing one.